Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. That's right. Welcome to you, those of you that are listening or watching, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, we are glad that you're here. I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Good to be here. It is good to be here. So as always, we uh, so appreciate you guys listening and watching to our podcast as you know, we do this week in and week out on the Torah portion, and we call ourselves Christians with Torah because the Torah is relevant to Christians today. And yes. I, I don't think I could say that enough. Um, and so I think there's a lot of mystery, a lot of misconceptions and things like that. So we just take it piece by piece every week, and we go through it, and we pull the mystery back away from it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't find mysterious stuff in there and dig deep, but we try to unveil it, Right. And so if you're with us and you like that mission, then please like, subscribe, share, do all the good stuff, ring the bell, all that kind of stuff, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, you know, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, the podcast app on your iPhone, whatever it is, help us out by getting the word out, sharing this, so that we can continue to do what we're doing. Amen? You know, I love the Torah because it's going to do two things. It's going to show us what sin is. Amen, yeah. And it's going to give us teachings and instructions. There's a better way. Yeah. So with the Holy Spirit and the times in which we live, we know we have a renewed covenant in the New, New Testament. But uh, I, I can't say enough how, how thankful and how blessed my life is because of 21 years of Torah. Oh, man. I mean, I love it. Yeah. And it's so relevant. Yeah. Bottom line, I think something that resonates with most people is that good fathers instruct their children. And our Heavenly Father is the best father. And there has there have been traces of lawlessness throughout the world. <laughs> just traces. Just I mean, you know, there's maybe, been some riots. Yeah, maybe storming the Capitol. And there's been some DC. looting. You yeah. know, some some isolated incidents. Yeah. Actually, you know what? There's a guy that was stealing Nancy Pelosi's lectern. Right. And he's got a picture of him. He's like, like with this. Yeah. He's in Bradenton. He just got arrested. Yeah. Don't even cover your face. Right. Gosh. You don't even. <laughs> so I wonder if that's a felony. I think it is. I'm wondering, is, is all of those crimes in the state capitol felonies? Oh, I would say so. Well, I, I would say um, any type of insurrection, which is, I think, the way they're trying to paint this, uh, would be, you know, a felony. Interesting. Well, let's, let's, get, let's get on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and let's speaking of D.C., freedom, let freedom ring. We have right. Freedom Weekend coming up. Freedom Weekend. So January 30th and 31st, that's a Saturday and a Sunday. That's we right. have um, LL Ministries. This is an international ministry out of the UK. 30 years old. Yep. And um, it's a healing ministry. And so whether it be, you know, uh, struggles with your mind, your right. emotions, trauma, trauma uh, or physical healing, um, all of those things are tied together in the spirit. And uh, this is a, a fantastic ministry. Excellent. I recommend it to everyone, especially if you have some things that you need to deal with that you haven't dealt with. This is a great, safe way to, to approach it from a biblical standpoint, um, healing for those things. So I would recommend January 30th and 31st, uh, if you can be here in Brandon, Florida, 1705 Lithia Pinecrest Road, right where we're sitting, um, I would recommend being here. 
So we're jumping into the tour portion. Are you ready? Let's do it. I mean, I was born for this, so. So we're in the book of Exodus. It is the book of redemption. Just a reminder, uh, broken up into two parts. Chapters, of course, 1 through 18 is going to be deliverance. Yes. Now, chapters 19 to 40 is going to be all about worship, the Sinai instructions and everything, uh, the, the tabernacle pattern, uh, tabernacle construction and all of that. And then, of course, we go from groan to glory. To glory. So we're talking about the freedom of slaves here, and so we're going to jump right in. Hang on. A key we, word is, of course, deliver. We're in the Torah portion of Vaira, That's right. Which is, and I appeared, and it's in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 2, ending in chapter 9 and verse 35. Very good. So why don't you get us going here, jumpstart us here. All right, we're so... In Exodus chapter 6, verse 2, so we're hitting that. That's right, and it, it begins with, uh, And I appeared to Abraham, and unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, which is El Shaddai, but by my name um, Jehovah, or Yahweh, was I not known to them. And so, what was the name that God appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as? El Shaddai. Wow. Right, right. It was El Shaddai. Oh, I see. Yeah, God Almighty. El Shaddai. Right. So he appeared as God Almighty at Strong's uh, 7706, uh, or H7706, which is, stands for Hebrew. And this El Shaddai is where you get the sheen, that letter uh, in the Hebrew alphabet that represents God, right? So like, for example, on a mezuzah that you see on, you know, on the doorpost or the gates of a Jewish home, um, they, they practice that, that practice. And I mean, we have mezuzahs on our, our doors at the house. Um, that sheen is representative of Shaddai, El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Almighty One. And there's even scriptures that say that he's going to put his name in a place, right? The the place that he should choose, Mount Moriah, right? Har Jerusalem. Moriah. Jerusalem. Which is the mount that God shall choose. And that right. place is in Jerusalem, right? The place that God chose. And specifically the Temple Mount. And if you look at an aerial view of it, you can see a sheen etched into the way the mountains and the valleys That's form. That's right. You can actually see it. The letter sheen, yeah. Representing the name of God, That's God cool. Almighty, which is which is pretty You know, God Almighty, we have God, which is which is L. Right. It's number 410. Mm -hmm. It means strength, mighty, and it means hero. Yeah, yeah. You know, isn't it interesting? We're all into these superheroes. The ultimate ultimate superhero is God. And then, of course, Shaddai, it means mighty. Uh, it's the Hebrew word Shaddai, the almighty from, and this is where it gets to be very interesting. Think about almighty, hero, uh, and then it comes from number 7703, Shaddad. It means to be burly and powerful. Wow. Like Conan. To be burly Duh. and powerful. <laughs> Maybe wow. more, power, more, more powerful than Conan. And then, of course, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's El Shaddai, God Almighty. So that's how God revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So then what is the name that God did not reveal to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? yod heh vav so, which is Yehovah. Right. Yahweh. Yep. So that's, that's it. That, it's also, it, it's it, also it, called the Tetragrammatron. Right, I've heard it. Yeah, called. and now I guess it's found five thousand seven hundred ninety-eight times. That's a few times. That's what Mike says, one of my elders. Uh, it means self-existent or eternal. Yeah, uh, the national name of God. Right. So it's almost like you know when you hear about I am. Yep. When you hear self-existent or eternal. So he always existed. From him comes everything. Right. You know, my my kids would say, "Well, who made God?" Well, from him all things come. Yes. So that's why he is self-existent 
or eternal. Right. And so he's a spirit. So think about this, everyone. God created the natural realm because he's not bound by time or space. But because he created a natural realm, we have time and space. Right. Now, that's deep. It is deep. So, so that's the thing. You know, even in regards to our universe, they've never found the end of the universe. No, they have not. I mean, it's, it's amazing how big our universe is. And they just want to go to the moon. Right. And Mars. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You know that uh, Elon Musk has started selling all his stuff. He's like, no, I'm serious. I'm going to go colonize Mars. You know, it's Mars. interesting. You know, he's a dreamer. Absolutely. And you know, he is the richest dreamer. In the world. In the world. He's the richest man in the world. Elon Musk. In general, yeah. My, uh, my, my son, Micah, was telling me that. Yeah. Dad, you know who the richest person is? It's Elon Musk. Yeah, he just passed Jeff Bezos as the richest man in the world. Based um, upon Tesla? Well, no, he has Tesla, he has Starlink, and he has SpaceX. So he's the CEO of three companies. Oh, wow. And, you know, you got to imagine that if you have that much money, you're invested in all kinds of other stuff. But that's all beside the point. So the, richest, the richest person in the whole world is us. And the reason is because we have... Jesus. And so I don't care if you have all the money in the world. Some people have all their riches and glory now. That's what I'm saying. You can't take it with you. But what about the next life? That's what I'm talking about. You can't take that stuff with you. We're like dew on the grass. You came into this Here world. Here comes the sun. And there goes the Naked dew. and vulnerable. And you go out of this world naked and vulnerable. So, all right. So has God revealed himself more through his redemptive plan? You know, I would say something that's very, very interesting is that if you look at the culture in our world, and everything that's going on, you know, God is just the opposite or doing just the opposite. You know, there's a contrast always. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, subtract. God comes to add to and multiply. But I would say that God is revealing himself, I believe, uh, through his redemptive plan via a husband. I believe God is showing himself to be a husband. I agree with that. So that's going to really encourage all of us that are husbands to say, wow, this is this is what the template looks like. Uh, I'm going to have Ryan read Isaiah 50, verses 1 and 2. Once again, God is revealing himself right now as a husband. So that's why marriage is so important. And I find it interesting that the Supreme Court of America, the United States, has decided to redefine marriage. But a marriage is between a man and a woman. And if you want to call same-sex a, a civil union or whatever, that's fine. But I'm saying that God has defined for us what a marriage is. Yeah. So now the enemy wants to come in and twist it and pervert it. Sure. So, so once again, uh, it's, a t it's a sign of the times. Yeah. So to me, it's like the husband's coming because you're messing up over here. Yeah, well. And he's not going to tolerate that. When you can't figure out what a man and a woman is and you can't figure out what a marriage is. That. That's what I mean. You can't. Yeah, a man is a man. Lost. A woman is a woman, biologically speaking. Well, what I mean but, by that is that God has given these people over to a reprobate mind, yeah. right? This is a sign that, like, you can't even tell simple, normal yeah, we things. we can read the beginning of Romans you, for you that. Just so, lost so read uh, Isaiah 50, verses 1 and 2. All right, so chapter 50, verse 1 and 2, uh, it says here, Thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it that to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all, that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh, because there is no water, and dieth for thirst. So where is this bill of divorcement, you know? Uh, so that means that he was the husband. Yeah. So he's rectifying, he's fixing it. 
yeah. through his son Yeshua. Yeah, Jeremiah three eight. I think and then of course if you go to fifty four five Ryan, oh, uh, man. yeah, just, just stay there in uh in Isaiah, in, in Isaiah fifty four five. This is kind of self explanatory. So fifty four five it says, "For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called." So this is looking ahead, looking forward, mm-hmm. you know. So as we look at El Shaddai, Yod Hey what about husband? Yeah. Now let's let's check out um, just just one more example here in the book of Hosea. We'll just do that one. Hosea chapter two verse sixteen. You're going to really like this one. Hosea two sixteen. All right, Hosea 2, verse 16, it says here, And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Baali. So that's, you shall call me husband, and no more master. That's right, that's what you're going to call me. Amen. So this is in the last days. Yeah. It's, so he, now he's really re- revealing himself as a husband. Go back to Hosea 2, 19 and 20. So basically, um, you know, the Lord is the creator, the husband, the maker, right, of heaven and earth, but he's also the husband. So uh, in Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, in regards to betrothal. Oh, yeah, here we go. It says, And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee to me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord, Yahweh. So it's kind of interesting as we close out this particular subject matter, um, being a husband, you know, Yeshua comes to the woman at the well, uh, and of course she's been married five times and has a living boyfriend, and, and he's asking her for a drink. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You find the wife at the well. Yeah. So Yeshua's like, hey, I'm thirsty. So she's going to give him a drink. Yeah. Because he's like saying to himself and to her, basically it's kind of a, a, a pattern here yeah. that, you know, remember Eliezer was a servant of Abraham to get Isaac a wife. And he found her at the well, right, Rebecca, right for Isaac, and then of course uh, Jacob found Rachel at the well. It was his wife. Yep. And then what happens? Uh, of course, the priest of Midian, Jethro, who became Moses' father-in-law, uh, Yitro, he actually uh, lets Moses marry his daughter, Zipporah. Yeah, Zipporah, zip zip, right? And uh, snip snip. Yeah, snip snip. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good woman. And so I'm just sharing this, that this is what's incredible. You know, the bride is serving, and that's so important. So, you know, just a a thought to bring the vast greatness of God and His grace and mercy into perspective. The woman at the well that you mentioned, right? A harlot, so to speak. And, of course, that was taboo to even speak to her, let alone be in Samaria. And he stayed for two days. Well, he does her for one even better. Um, You know, when you think about it, because of the work that Jesus does on the cross, he presents that woman to God as a chaste virgin, right? right. As a righteous person. Right. And, but he does the same thing for you, and he does the same thing for me. That's Despite right. our sin and our mistakes, That's true. it's because of what he has done that and we that's have the beauty of it. right standing with God. He came for those that were sick. Yep. Now, you know, God actually lays out his redemptive plan here in verses 6 and 7. And, uh, you know, he's talking about the covenant that he established with Abraham about giving uh, the land and whatnot— and and how he didn't reveal himself as as Yahweh, which some people might ask. Well, I see the you know the the name of God Yahweh all throughout the stories in Genesis, and of course we know that you know Moses is the one who's pinning this down, right? So, um, but he did not reveal his character of Yahweh to Abraham, to Isaac, or to Jacob, but to it's Moses. It's the next level, right? It's it's the next step it's in the layered. redemptive plan. 
and and it has to go in order. And so it says, uh, we'll read verses 5 through 7. It says, And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel from the Egyptians keeping keep, keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. So he's talking about the covenant, and he says he's remembered it. You said Exodus goes from groan to glory. That's right. Here's the groan. Quick groaning. Right. So 6 and 7 say this. It says, Wherefore... Say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. And I, and then here, here we go with the redemptive plan. And this is also the four cups of the Passover Seder. He says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people and will be unto you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And so this is, this is the way that God speaks to us, that he says here, you know, even to us today, that he is going, that he is the Lord, and because of that, he's going to take us out from under the burdens of the world, right? So he's going to take us out of the world, separate us, right? right? That he's going to rid us of that bondage and get that bondage off of us, right? Because what do they say? You can take the, you know, the slave out of bondage, but can you take the bondage out of the slave, right? They say that, you know, can you take the girl out of the honky-tonk, but you can't take the honky-tonk out of the girl, you know? There's lots of phrases that use that, um, you know, style, but it says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm through what he did on the cross is literally his outstretched arms, right? So we see that in this case, he pulls them out with an outstretched arms, but we know that the ultimate redemption comes from him stretching out his arms on the cross. That's true. And with great judgment. With an outstretched arm, yeah. And then I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. This is the prophecy of a personal relationship. He brings you out to bring you in. In God. And so, um, you know, it is through all of this that we get to that point. And so then the question begs, what did God promise the children of Israel in the very next verse um, that they would get when they came out of Egypt by his outstretched arm? Uh, they're going to get the land. Amen. So we're not going to get into all the details of that. But the bottom line is that God promised the land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to their seed. And to their seed. Right. And so if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. Here's according to the promise. I list Galatians 3.29. So the land is a big deal. And we'll see that even if it's even playing out. You know, it's funny. A lot of this eschatology among the evangelicals is that, oh, we got to stay away from Israel. There's the Antichrist and the black helicopters and all these things and Armageddon and... And, but it's like, you know what? But he promised the land to the seed of Abraham. Yeah. Why would you go the opposite way? I, we all have to live somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, let, let, me, let me move on to Exodus chapter 7 here. So how is the Lord going to bring out the children of Israel? Uh, well, he's going to bring them out by great judgments and with an outstretched arm or outstretched hand. You know, people are wondering what's going on in this world. You know, God is creating all these circumstances, not only as signs and wonders, but to get to his people. Yeah. You know, they say that that's one of the ways you can get fruit off the tree. You shake the heck out of it. <laughs> that's true. So, like, when God creates circumstances, we want to blame the devil. Yeah. But there's a lesson to be learned. You know, we want to blame the devil for everything. Or we want to blame politics or whatever. Right. But but we just got to take ownership. Oh, man. And do our part. You yes. know, what part do you want to play? And so, uh, as we move down the line here, we're going to see something very fascinating. Uh, Ryan, could you, you read Exodus 7-7? Yes, 7-7. Seven, seven. Scripture interprets Scripture. And Moses was fourscore years old, and Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. So 80 and 83. So we know that Miriam is the oldest. She's the firstborn. Right. Aaron is 83. Moses is 80. Yeah. So Miriam and, and Aaron were able to live. Yeah. 
So if you do the math, Miriam is older than Aaron. We don't know the years. Right. But we know that Aaron was three and Moses was born. Right. And that's when that decree went out about killing all the boys. Two years old and under. So it's all interesting how even in presidential administrations that go on, every four-year cycle or eight-year cycle of a new president, whether they're reelected or not, there's just always these different laws and things that they pass or whatever. Uh, So what was the first miracle that Moses and Aaron performed before Pharaoh? So they go before Pharaoh, and uh, Aaron's rod is turned into a serpent. So So once again, keep in mind who's doing what. Because Aaron has a rod and Moses has a rod. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a staff of authority, ownership. This is who I am. This is my staff. Right. You know, um, you know, I have a small staff. I have Kathy and Sarah. And <laughs> I have Russell. a small staff as well. Probably your staff might be bigger than mine. No, my staff is definitely smaller at this point. Okay, well, that's good. But I'm working on growing it. You are, you are. So Pharaoh's wise men, sorcerers, and magicians had their rods turned into serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed them up. That's pretty cool. I've seen that, you know, in like movies and stuff where they show it. So, so, you know, once again, all I can tell you is this. Snakes are bad, okay? Anytime you see a snake, you know, we have that expression, watch out. She's a snake in the grass. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, all coiled up and hissing, you know. So so the thing is, you know, it's a symbol, you know, just like the symbol of the serpent on the pole, you know, uh, everything is a reason for everything. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be giving the enemy any, any. you know, we don't want to be sleeping with the enemy. You know, we want to get away from the enemy and yeah, get away from him. But, you know, so so keep this in mind. So Aaron throws down his rod. It becomes a serpent. Magicians do this in Pharaoh's court, but his rod swallows up. Two of them. So what was the first plague that we had, Ryan? So the first plague is in verse 17, and it is that the waters are turned into blood. Um, this lasts seven days, but it's the, all the rivers, the lakes, the ponds. I even think even like the current vessels that had water in them turned to blood. And I want to I point something out to all of you, because I made Aaron's rod uh, part of the subject matter here. And I just want to tell you in advance, uh, just a little thought here to think about. So Aaron's rod was used. It became a serpent, and it ate the other two Egyptian serpents. So, so remember that Moses is having some kind of inferiority complex. He doesn't have a lot of courage. He's not a great speaker. But you got to understand the culture of Egypt and what the slave mentality was of the children of Israel. So when Moses shows up, he's like a god. And so Aaron would be like the false prophet you know, that we see in Revelation. But, but he's like the spokesman. Not that he's a false prophet, but he's going to be like the spokesman for Moses, who looks like almost like a god. Right. But Moses is answering to God. Right. Well, because so Moses was slow of speech saying, and all that. Yeah. So basically, what I'm trying to tell you, if you go back and look at the dragon is Satan in Revelation, the beast is the Antichrist, the second beast is the false prophet. Right. So you see yes. the counterfeit. Right. So if we see Moses looks to God, Yehovah, Yahweh, whatever, and then of course he's got Aaron, who's going to speak what Moses wants him to speak. So he's like the apprentice coming alongside Moses, but at this time, Moses needs to build up his confidence. So basically, um, we're going to see something played out here, and I'll just give it to you in a nutshell here. Uh, So Aaron's rod is used to turn the water to blood. All right, it's Aaron's rod. So he does the serpent thing. Moses sees everything. He's building up his confidence. He's he's called to go before Pharaoh, and Moses has already had the, uh, the okay from God for Aaron to come alongside and help him. He said, I'm going to give you Aaron. So what happens is 
And then, of course, we're going to see where uh, Aaron's rod is used to bring the frogs and Aaron's rod is used to bring the lice. Yeah. Now, I'm only saying that in advance because I want you to see how the first three plagues, Aaron is going to do these things. So he's priming the pump for Moses. He is. But from plague four on, Moses is in control. And what's interesting is the plagues that are one through three, those ones affect Goshen. Well, one through three affect everybody. Well, meaning the everyone, right? Everyone. But Goshen yeah. included. Once you get into Moses being the man, then Goshen's protected. Then they're protected. Interesting. What does that tell you? So when you find someone who has authority over a people, there's protection and provision and guidance. Wow, that's good. I know that's a good word. That is. I mean, it really is because you know what? We need this in the times in which we live. Yeah. Because there's a lot of false prophets and things. So I'm gonna let Ryan uh, take it over. We're gonna get. You know, we did we did six and seven. Now let's jump into Exodus chapter eight, uh, and, and I'm gonna let Ryan do this chapter. Yeah. Chapter eight starts with the second plague. Um, one little note that I, I did make was that uh, in verse 17 of chapter seven, uh, it says this. It says. Thus saith the Lord, and this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river. They shall be turned to blood. Yeah, we, we didn't go into that. So thus you shall know that I am the Lord. So he's showing all of these plagues for a reason. These yeah. plagues are to show that he is the man, right? That he is the I am, he is the great And it was all the one. fresh water, all the water. Right. And what's cool is that this miracle that Jesus does, the first one that he does, is that he turns the water into the blood of grapes, right, into wine. Right. And so you can see that so you shall know can be paired with Jesus' miracle that you shall know that he is Yahweh, that he is the Messiah by the miracle of taking water and turning it into, you know, wine, so to speak, and in this case. Which is a celebration of the bride. It is. At which is a celebration he, of the bride. And he saves the best for last. Well, and it's a, it's a, you know, Jesus' covenant is a better covenant. So he takes it to that next level. So going from turning it into the yuck of turning it into blood to turning That's it into right. wine for celebration. But nonetheless, he's able to do that. And so the second plague is pretty gross. Can we, uh, can we hop to this? Yes, the second plague is pretty gross. It's uh, <laughs> smite all the borders with frogs. Oh, man. Wow. You know, there's frogs in Revelation. They say the frogs are, are, the occult uses frogs for things. I never really studied it out. What, I mean, there's beetles in Egypt, but, but frogs are, are like um, found in Revelation. Yeah. Dealing with demonic activity or something. Yeah. And they're slimy. And oh, yeah, they're definitely slimy. So frogs were everywhere. And I think that that can't be overstated. Um, it says here in chapter 8, uh, verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice, that they may go sacrifice unto the Lord. And so God had already prophesied this, but once again, Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not let the people go. And so that's the, that's the thing, right? This goes and it starts in a process, and God says that he's going to harden the heart of Pharaoh by um, by strengthening his resolve, right? So this word harden is the Hebrew word, uh, same word for hazak, right? Like be hazak, hazak, you know, be strong, be strong. It's the same thing here that he's, that Pharaoh already has this inclination to do these things. And God is going to strengthen and gird that up because in order for the people to understand who God is and how powerful he is, all of these plagues have to come on the Egyptians. And in order for 
the Hebrews to be able to leave Egypt successfully and, and, and get away from them, all of these plagues have to happen because these plagues are going to decimate Egypt. Well, yeah, it's judgments. I'm going to bring you out based upon judgment. Yes. So it's been brought out that, you know, the magicians could turn water, you know. Into blood. Into blood. And, and frogs. And also the frogs. So you're just adding to your misery. Yeah. Well, what were they thinking? Oh, hey, I could do that too. Yeah. Uh, you can add more frogs to your misery? <laughs> yeah, add more That's frogs. pretty dumb. Yeah, but, so. I mean, it, you know, it, it is what it is, right? That's God plays them like a fiddle. Um, and so, you know, we talked about... Um, we talked about the the blood into water. We've talked about the frogs, and then we get on to the third plague. You want to get into Exodus eight eight? You want to read that? I did read eight eight. Where was I? At? I don't know, man. You were here. And he hardened his heart, just like you said. Yeah, <laughs> I must have been daydreaming. I'm thinking about Kermit the Frog. <laughs> it's not easy being green. And Miss Piggy, they're both unclean. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> they are both unclean. <laughs> you know. So the third plague, we're on to the third plague. Number nine, what was the third plague? Lice. Lice. And this is lice that bites. So this I'm imagining is like super Egyptian lice. That's terrible. Yeah. That's like those seams that fly around. No seams. They're They're called sand fleas. They're no seams. In the military we call them sand fleas. Sand fleas. Yes. Sand fleas are actually like this big. Really? Right? Yeah, yeah, because you use them as bait sometimes for uh, saltwater fishing. I just think they're a little black and they hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. No, those are no seams. Um, so we have this third plague, which is lice. So Pharaoh's magicians could not bring forth lice and said that it was the finger of God. So we get to the third plague, wow. and now they've been bested. They can't, they can't do it. And so speaking of which, and speaking of uh, Pharaoh's magicians, um, the water turned into blood. There's a couple different uh, gods that this is, is kind of attacking or taking down. Because you've got to imagine you have a polytheistic right. religious group and Pharaoh in doesn't the Egyptians. Know, he doesn't know... Jehovah. Right. He says, I don't know Yahweh. this. Right. We yeah. talked about that last week. He right? doesn't know El Shaddai. I don't know this. He don't even know El Shaddai. But, um, you know, the water into blood is a direct attack on the gods uh, Kanum, Happy, and Osiris, being the guardian of the river source, the spirit of the Nile, and the Nile was the bloodstream of Osiris. So turning the Nile into blood and the other, you know, waters was a direct attack on these. Um, the frogs being Happy and Hecht which were the frog goddess to Egypt, right? So the spirit of the Nile, that happy, is is depicted as a frog. Um, and Hecht is also uh, related to fertility, right? Because frogs were a representation also for fertility. And so fertility. who do you think influenced people to create all these gods, Ryan? Could it be Satan? Satan, you know, Satan. I've even heard like thought processes that these, these gods, so to speak, are demons, demonic spirits that... Um, because I've heard, you know, even demons and, and, and evil spirits can be over families, can be over geographical areas and things like that. And that these, you know, sh- had strongholds over those areas or those, right. those things. That's true. And that they were kind of the, the minions of Satan. So the lice is Seb, which is the god of the earth, because he brings it out, right, of the of the earth. Wow, is that's how, deep. Yeah, it, it is deep. And so now we go on to the fourth plague. The fourth plague is... Swarms of flies. But notice what he does in 8.20. Ooh, let's see it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. So once again, you don't hear about Aaron. Now we're, Moses, now Moses is, is in charge. Yep. He's like, I got this. 
And so he is going to, of course, uh, bring about uh, a swarm of flies. He's going to command that. He does. Um, he says, else my people, if you don't let my people go, behold, to send a swarm of flies. But then here's what God says in verse 22. He says, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. So the flies were not in Goshen where the children of Israel lived. Yep. You know, I was saying earlier last night that just food for thought, just a little nugget, uh, the average lifespan of a housefly is 30 days. 30 days. Now, it's interesting, uh, and you've been camping. you got a camper. I do, yeah. My, my wife is jealous. Aww. She wants us to get a camper. You should get a camper. Um, and I said, no, we have a baby. Um, <laughs> but I want to share this, though. Uh, don't you take, like, a plastic bag of water, and you hang it up around your campsite, and it keeps flies away? Um, I've, I've just seen it. I've heard about it. Hmm. I've never purposely done it. I don't think I, I've I, never done that. But if you fill a, if you fill a, a, a Ziploc bag with water mm-hmm. and hang it up, it keeps the flies away. So I'll have to really research that, but I've seen people do it, and it does work. Yeah, I've done other things um, to keep flies and mosquitoes away. So who's Beelzebub? The Lord of the Flies. Not good. You know, I I think the worst thing that I've seen Yeshua experience before he suffered, died, and was buried, but, you know, they they called him, you know, he's like, he's full of devils. What's the worst thing you could do to God? Call, yeah, say, you know, that's blasphemy. And and let me remind all of you that, that are watching or listening or whatever Satan doesn't care whether you worship him or not. Yeah. Really, that's he doesn't. Look, he's not even looking for worshipers. He's trying to take you away from God. So what's you know is the road that you're on leading to God? Yeah. You know what's what's taking you. He off just that needs path? to distract you enough, right, to get you away from it. Um, but you know what God wants to do is He wants to make a distinction between us. So you want to read Exodus eight twenty three? Yeah. So it says here. This you know, we just read about how He's going to sever Goshen, right? And He says, Why don't you read twenty three through twenty seven? Oh, well, let's, let's, let's do that. So it says, and I will put a division between my people and thy people tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so. And there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, go ye sacrifice to your God in the lamb. And Moses said, it is not meet to, so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, and he shall command us. So let me make it perfectly clear for you guys that are, that are listening and watching. This word, it says, um, what was he going to put between his people and Pharaoh's people? A division. A division. Yep. In the Hebrew, Ryan, it's redemption. Interesting. Gonna, so what makes us different than those that are in the world? We've been redeemed. Amen. See, when you're not redeemed, you're going to act the way you act. And, and the thing that I'm learning through listening to some other teachers of the Torah and different things is that the dragon in Revelation represents Satan. Uh, the first beast is the Antichrist, his son, which is going in the lake of fire by the way. The third, or the second beast, because there's a dragon, and there's two beasts. One is the Antichrist. The second beast is the false prophet. But what I want to say is if that, you know, you know, the beast is controlling these empires, like puppets. Yeah. And so that's what we're seeing the prince of this world doing, Hasatan. And what's happening is, uh, people are going into beast mode, you know. 
uh, I know there's a football player that they they call it beast mode, and he would be a running back, is uh, Marshawn Lynch. But I was thinking that if you keep this in context, you know, when when you're caught up in the the beast system, you're going to have the mind of the beast. You know, uh, and it's been brought out that Nebuchadnezzar was saying, look what I have built, look what I have done in his pride. Mm -hmm. And God made him into a beast. Right. Turned him into a beast. Yeah. Literally like eating the grass. Yeah. Hair grew, nails grew. Yeah. He was in a petting zoo. I mean, so I'm like, is that what you want? And, and you're looking out over the landscape of our culture and the world. And why would people do what they do? You know, uh, a police officer was just murdered and killed due to, a, a, you know, a, a car ramming or whatever. Oh, yeah. This just just, just here yesterday. in Brandon. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that it was this last last shift, last day before retiring. So every day is a gift for those of you that are watching. Family. So what are you saying? Father. What I'm saying is that when, when God has given us the Torah, he's given us redemption to be different, to lead us to something really nice, Yeah, you know? And so you've got to understand that we're living for something that's coming. And he wants to lead us to a place. He wants to lead us to the promises. So when you understand that, it's not about doom and gloom and hunkering down and no, generators yeah, and course. water and food. You, you should have some supplies. Yeah, yeah I mean, we live in Florida. We got hurricane season every year. So I'm so. only bringing that about because, you know, um, you know, with this division, of course, and Pharaoh says, listen, you say you want to go on a three days journey, but you shall not go far away. Yeah. I'm going to let you go, but you can't go far. You know, I don't know what the uh, demographics is of Saudi Arabia, but a majority of Saudi Arabia are foreigners. Now, can you imagine if they left? You know, I made this little uh, observation that I think there's 1.5, uh, maybe 2 million people in Hillsborough County. Imagine if we all just went north. <laughs> you. Now, I think there's 10, is there 10 cities that make up Hillsborough County? I'm Something not like sure. that, yeah. But can you imagine? That's the magnitude of the exodus that we're going to be witnessing. Yeah, I think it's more when than you 10. Put it's it like in perspective, 22, I think I remember you telling us. Is it 22 cities? Well, yeah, townships. Yeah. yeah. So just something to think about when you want to talk about this with your kids or statistics or anything. Uh, any thoughts on that, Ryan, before you go, jump into Exodus 9? Um, well, just that... Um, the division is made a difference because you there's different. there's a distinction between us and them whoever the them is and i think that sometimes people look at that and they think that it puts us above other people um and they're right to an extent god says do these things right heed my voice you know keep my covenant right and you shall be above all people right now if i have a choice between being above or being below, I'm going to choose above. Right. Every time, twice on Sunday. Right. And if my choice is not about what I have done necessarily, but the but God who has chosen me and me who chooses him back, I'd say that's a pretty good a good way to do things. And I'll I'll take the favor that comes along with that. Um, because serving God ha- has its benefits. Now it also has its tests and its trials, right? There's no testimony without a test, right? There's no message without a mess, right? So there's these things that, you know, you have to go through in order to come out the other side that God puts us through. But it's important to understand the distinction that, that God didn't call you to be part of the world. He said you're of the world, but you're, you're in the world, but you're not of the world, right? Because we've been severed and separated by the blood of Christ. Now, I want to mention the the pagan god from the Egyptians was that says it's a... Uat Kit, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, which who really cares about his name? Um, but it's the fly god of Egypt. So Egypt even had 
a fly god. Now imagine being in a culture where like literally the flies had a god. There's a god of the flies. Um, I think that's pretty interesting. Another note is also that it doesn't say flies. It says swarms. <coughs> Excuse me. So this could be a mixture of all kinds of different nasty insects. Um, there's even some other ideas out there of what it could be. But it's swarms. And you'll notice that it's in, it's italicized in your King James Bibles if you're using the, uh, the King James. It's italicized because the word flies is actually not there. It's all about swarms. So whatever it was, it was swarming them, and it wasn't good. So, all right, jump into chapter 9. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So, chapter 9, what was the fifth plague? A very grievous moraine. Moraine. Now, did you have a moraine. note on moraine? What was the... I don't think I had I don't think you that. did. So, it's, it's essentially livestock disease, and right. this can manifest itself in any number of different ways. But just think of it like cattle and livestock disease, where... You have a disease, and, and if you've ever had livestock and you know that, like, say, one gets sick, you got to get that one isolated from all the others. Right. Because it will infect the other ones. Livestock it happens to chickens. Disease. It happens to goats. It happens to sheep. It happens to cows. That's true. And um, once they start going, they start dying, and then they start stinking. Goof and mouth disease. So think about it. If, if you have fields of livestock that start dying, you don't have time to go and bury all of them, right? And a lot of times you just leave them. So then you've got vultures coming around. That's true. You've got them rotting in place, stinking, swelling right. up. I mean, it's pretty bad. But here's what's cool. Remember we talked about the distinction. There's a distinction. The cattle of of Israel in Goshen. Right. Did not die. Did not die. No flies in Goshen. Cattle didn't die. Yeah. Now, you know, we were kind of having our midrash last night about the tour portion. And... You know, I was talking about how it's possible that the Israelites had a had better favor when it came to livestock because they were trained husbandmen. I mean, that's what they did. That was their trade. And so that's true too. their livestock obviously fared better than the Egyptians' livestock, but they were experts at livestock, right? So I thought that was one thing. But, you know, Cromwell made the point, and I think it's a, a very good point, that these plagues came upon Egypt so that everyone would have no question who is God and what type of powers he had. I mean, Amen. this is a major empire. Right. Let's move on. Yep. And so the sixth plague comes, and it is... Boils. And... Blains. Whatever Blains is, I don't Ababua. want Ababua. Yeah. Ababua. <laughs> you don't want that Ababua. Oh, man, it's an inflammation. What's he got? He's got that Ababua. As an eruption, you know. Uh, you know, um, I got a staph infection one time. They said I got it from the gym. Uh-huh. And it's just like this boil on the side. Yeah. And it was like full of like pus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nasty. Yeah, I had one of my... Painful and painful. I've had one of my leg one you time. You think like a pimple's not painful. No, this is this is like a pimple on steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a boil. And it actually left a scar right here. And if you have it, you know, anything in your groin area like that, it's, it's very painful. You know, I don't know if it's the same word, but uh, Job had boils. Yeah, yeah. And if I had a bunch of these over my body... Yeah, it's not good. I, I don't even want to think about that. So what happens, especially, you know, boils are a lot more common in third world countries because of, you know, just lack of sanitary conditions for water and, and um, you know, bathrooms and things like that. But what's happening with a boil is there's, um, you know, things, there's, there's toxins inside that your body, because of God's natural way of, of fixing things, has collected them and is pushing them out of your body. Uh, because they weren't able to push it out the normal ways, right? So 
it, it collects it, it surrounds it, you know, with pus, and then it pushes it out. And let's just say it's super And the magicians painful. were in, couldn't even stand, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Was it say the balls affected the Egyptians? The beast and even the magicians. Now, it, it doesn't say anything about the children of Israel receiving balls or avoiding the balls, but it looks like that they well, were it not says, affected. Well, it says over here that, you know, I will sever in that day the land of Goshen so that there won't be flies. I'm thinking right. that they severed it from then on, from then forward. Throughout all the land of Egypt, yep. but not Goshen. Right. Let's do it. All right, so the seventh plague. Okay, so uh, we said cattle disease. There's a, uh, several gods associated with this. It's uh, Ptah, Hathor, uh, Nevis, and Ammon, which were the gods associated with bulls and cows. And so, you know, we know in Egyptian history— That's the disease on cattle, yeah. Right, and hence the golden calf, right? right. Because they came out of Egypt, and that's why the calf and the, go- you know, the gods of the cows. It affects property. Yep. The boils being uh, Sekhemet, uh, Saperis, Emotep, um, and so that being the Egyptian goddess of epidemics or diseases that, you know, spread, or the Egyptian gods of healing being uh, Serapis and Emotep, um, which the Emotep was, uh, you know— uh, uh, one of the gods that I actually have heard of, you know, many times, uh, being one of the popular ones, and so this was an, a direct attack on them, and so he's he's s- systematically shutting down the gods of Egypt and devastating, you know, their infrastructure, um, their cattle, their you know, and now here we come right. with their their plants and stuff. So the seventh plague was a very grievous hail. So it was fire was mingled with the hail when it came down, and the land of Goshen was spared. So imagine this. Not just hail. Cold and hot coming out of the yeah, sky. Yeah, but That's fire. So this could be you know lightning storms coming along with the hail or something along those lines, lighting things on fire. I'm not 100% sure what this was looked like from you know today if we were looking at it, seeing what's going on. But a very grievous hail. So um, the only hail that I've ever experienced in my life it was like short, right? A couple minutes and then Marble it, it moves size, on. Marble size, golf ball size? Um, I'm not sure. Probably I've seen golf ball size hail. So it had to have been. But it comes through, right, like a wave, and then it's it's gone, right? It, as fast as it comes, it leaves. Well, this is a very grievous hail, which gives us the indication that this was big hail that lasted a long time. Right. So much so that it devastated all of their crops, um, and so we're talking, you know, it says here, and Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. So it's, it's so bad that the flax and the barley were smitten. The barley was in the ear and the flax was boiled. Uh, but the wheat and rye were not smitten for they were not grown up yet. So you've got spring, right? Barley. And, and so we don't know when these plagues all began and if they overlapped or what was this this the time in between each plague yeah we don't know but that now yet. we're at the point where we're hitting the hail yeah and it's spring but you know first it goes from annoying right because with the water into blood they were able to dig you know near the rivers and stuff for wells yeah to get water right right so they had a way around it they got water so problem solved so to speak right but it's right. annoying it was inconvenient because they're used to just going to the river right but they, they made it. And then you have things that are pesky, right? You have frogs, you know, that are pesky. But it, yeah. it is what it is, right? Right. Lice and flies. Yeah, you know, the Jews invented the lice comb. This, this, is, this is annoying, right. you know. The lice comb. But then you start attacking the, disease, the cattle, which is a food source. Step up, yeah. Right? So now you've attacked that. Then you go to boils. Now the people are getting disease. 
right from you know unsanitary conditions possibly from so what day were insects created the flies That's a good question isn't it uh day f- five I'm, I'm just wondering right yeah nothing either day five or day six so yeah day five. I mean, so it's just when when did god create frogs day six interesting with wow because they're both sea I mean, they're both you have the foul of the air and all that other stuff, right? Well, that's what I mean. So there's yeah. day five, which is the the under the sea and above. Yeah, the we got to move on, right? I'm sorry I did land. that to you. I'm sorry I did that to you. We got to move on. <laughs> I know. It, it is interesting, though. I mean, yeah. how many different kind of bugs did he make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All kinds of different kinds. Yeah. You ever see those little, like, flies that, like in your shower sometimes? Like, where did this come from? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. they like, you just go towards it and it goes. And it's gone. And you go. Yeah. They just show up. Magic. Like, I know. We got to move on. I believe in God. <laughs> so, so the cattle affects a food source, and 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 it's a big symbol from a religious right. standpoint. And then boils. Uh, that's got to be uncomfortable. True. So we're really aggravating the people now. And then hail that destroys yeah. the crops. Right. Um, so they may have something stored up. It escalates but the next year. So, but it's just decimating systematically. And if you didn't put your cattle away, right? And it's escalating. Because some, some of the Egyptians heard the words of Moses, right? And didn't it say that they 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 took refuge with their right. cattle, right? Does it say that? It does. It says that it says that uh, people didn't take the heed of uh, of Moses and their cattle and and everything was left out, and so it killed their cattle. So, and, and he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Oh, so even the servants died. Yeah. From the, the fire and the, the hail. Um, and so we know about the barley being in head that, because it's harvested in the spring. And so this is confirming the timeline for we're, we're right before Passover. We're coming up to the point of Passover. And so it seems as if all of this is coming together, and it makes sense that Passover is in the spring when it is. And so did Pharaoh continue to harden his heart in regards to letting the children of Israel go. Yes, he did. So we all are in danger of ending up in this point because some of us are stubborn, some of us are very stubborn, and some of us are very, very stubborn. And some of us are indifferent. Apathetic. Gotcha. And so the question is then, can we harden our heart towards God and other people? You know, I just looked up in the back of my Bible. I looked up the word heart and the negative connotation yeah. of what our heart could be. Sure. And um, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says to circumcise our heart. That means to cut away those things that are holding us back that don't need to be there. Yep. You know, uh, in Second Chronicles 32, 25, we have an example of a heart that's lifted up. That's like a form of pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, of course, in Psalm 139, verse 23, search and know my heart. Mm-hmm. So you're opening yourself up to a spiritual audit with God. Yeah. Or Psalm 51, created yeah. me a clean heart. That's right. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, it's deceitful. Ooh. Uh, in Jeremiah 49, verse 16, and Obadiah, it's 1, verse 3, we have pride can enter our heart. Uh, in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, 19, we can have a stony heart. Uh, in Mark 10, 5, I want to go there. Mark 10.5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Mm. So it, that's it, about divorce. It's, it's right? hardness. It's hardness. Yeah, it is about divorce. Yeah. Uh, that he gave you this. Uh, in James 3.14, let's read that one. 
And that's my last example that I have. James 3.14. What else can be in our heart? Even the times in which we live today. Especially the times we live James today. 3.14. Check this out. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Wow. Yeah. Let me read that again. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Well, we can see this between both parties, Republicans and Democrats. There is this going on. Oh, yeah, that people will bitter lie. Bitter envying. Like now the Democrats have the Senate the house and the commander in chief. Yeah. Now there's envying and now we're going to get you. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to pass anything. Retribution. And I, I know, but it, how vicious is that? So anyway, um, yeah. So those well, are the things you can for, have. It's in, for in, unity's in, sake. That's So those are the things you can have in your heart. Oh, yeah. For unity's <laughs> sake. I just can't imagine that. I like to get stuff done. I got a great board, mm-hmm. great leadership. We're moving forward. We had an incredible purity conference weekend. I mean, we did, yeah. I'm just saying that. Wow. I love being productive. Yeah, and absolutely. And having unity. Yeah. And that's what is great about Bay Taylor. We have these events, we put them on and we do them, and people participate, and it's great. Yeah. You know, hardening your heart towards God and towards other people, uh, many times, you know, the inclination gets heavier on us because of circumstances that we've gone through, things that people have done to us. And that's where grace and mercy comes in. Because if we're all real with ourselves, and we talk about this, you and I, all the time, you know, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. And so we have to remember and keep the main thing the main thing. God's grace, God's love, God's mercy for us. And when we really get a true revelation of God's grace and mercy for us, it becomes much easier to give out grace and mercy, which is the opposite of hardening our hearts, right? Because what does it say in Ezekiel 36? Because uh, 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 you mentioned Ezekiel 11, right? Um, but Ezekiel 36 says, um, you know, he talks about the, the hardened heart, but he says here in verse 36, uh, 26, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And so you're not for nothing. I know this is Christians with Torah, and this is just an easy plug, right? But God gives us a new heart, a heart of flesh, taking away that heart of stone. And then what do we do? We keep his statutes and his judgments, and we do them. And so the the heart that God gives us is one of obedience. The heart that God gives us is one of love and graciousness and kindness and all that. And so, um, you know, w- we have a tendency to harden our heart towards other people and towards God. And God, through his Holy Spirit, right. is what gives us the softened heart. And I've learned putting up with people is grace and mercy, too, when you put up with them. What two things did you so, get out of this? It's a low standard. Person? I know. What two things did... Uh, no, no, you go first. What two things did you You get really out? want me to go first. I do. I want you to go first. Okay, this is what I got. Okay. I have discovered that God is a righteous judge. So he says, I'm going to bring you out with judgments. Mm-hmm. So when we see this COVID-19, it's a form of judgment. But what is he doing? He's moving towards something. Yeah. So God is a righteous judge, and he said, I'm going to bring you out with judgments. And that's what he's doing with these ten plagues. And if you don't believe that, check out Revelation with the seven angels. Each one has a plague. So as we develop the storyline of the plagues and 
all these other controversies of the vaccinations and everything. My second point is this. So, Ryan, uh, what two things did you get out of the Torah portion? Vayera and Daya Pierre. So my first one is don't feel bad for Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a bad dude. Wow. Don't feel bad for Pharaoh. Don't feel bad for Pharaoh. I think that there's a tendency, especially in popular culture, to look at Pharaoh and see that God, quote unquote, hardened his heart, which really only means that God strengthened what it was already there. I want to call it like Egdemon, right? Like, go ahead, Pharaoh. Go ahead. Do what you want to do, you know? Um, So, you know, Pharaoh was exercising the ultimate extent of his free will in his negative intentions towards the children of Israel. And clearly he paid the price. But even bigger than that, God is sovereign. And God was declaring who he is over this situation through Pharaoh. And it wouldn't have worked if Pharaoh didn't harden his heart, right? You know what was brought out when you, when you said that, just re- be reminded, everyone, that Pharaoh is the founding prideful leader Ooh, of an empire. That's right. So it's him, then Assyria, right? Right. Then Babylon, Greece, and Rome. Yeah. So Egypt and Pharaoh are like the founding despot, tyranny, and bad things. Yep, yep. Pride. And then um, my next thing was that there's no containing God's power. Um, You know, God's power is above and beyond anything we've ever seen or experienced. He's the creator of the whole universe. He controls everything, right? He controls the water. He controls the frogs, the lice, the flies, the cattle. So would you say that God is over nature? He's over everything. So Jesus can walk on water. Oh, yeah. Multiply food. That's right. In the natural. Correct. Because he's spirit. Right. That's awesome. It is. Amen. Man, that's good stuff. Amen. Well, thank you, Ryan. We're close this out in prayer. Yeah. Father, we just thank you so much. For the revelation that you give us through your word, we thank you for the Torah. We thank you for loving instructions from our Father. And we thank you, Yeshua, for what you did for us on the cross, for your outstretched arms that have redeemed us from Egypt and from our own personal Egypt, God. And so may we never look back. May we never go back to those things, God. May we look forward to your kingdom and seek first your kingdom forever. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen. Amen. Wow. All right. Good stuff, guys. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. As always, if you need anything from me, you can email me at ryan at toopraise.net, ryan at toopraise.net. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, Have a great week.